0: Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier, where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today's guest is Chris Rack, who's the CEO of MRP. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, we always like to start off, let's just learn a little bit about yourself and your career journey. So can, can you give us a bit of background on how your career has developed over the years? Yes. I mean, I, I
1: started out in sales in roughly 2004. I entered the, the B2B demand generation space, uh, 2006, 2007. I've been through um, a couple of different roles, ranging from a, I was a BDR at one point. Uh, my last tenure was at a company called Demand Science. For six years as the chief revenue officer, um, that company grew from very small, roughly six million, to up over a hundred million in that six-year time frame. I started as the CEO of MRP May of this year, so I'm right around seven months in, and uh, really enjoying
0: it so far. That's awesome. I mean, let's dive straight into MRP. Can you tell us a little bit about what the company does? Yeah, so we're a demand generation
1: solutions provider, primarily in the B two B technology and enterprise space. So. The core of what we do well is we, I like to say we make the haystack smaller, right? So we have a nice piece of technology that identifies companies that are showing propensity to buy across roughly 700 product categories. And then unlike most vendors in this space who just deliver that data and let the marketing team kind of do what they do with it, we monetize through a a series of solutions or services to drive in essence, what are leads for the B2B technology marketers. So top of funnel leads all the way down to, you know, very down funnel leads driven by my US-based call center in Philadelphia. So I guess that probably describes it as simply as I can.
0: So it's interesting. So it, it sounds like you're a mix between marketing technology all the way down to actually execution with the call center. Is that right?
1: That is correct. I found over my, my career is that there are so many marketing tech products and the stack is so big that it can be a a bit daunting for a marketer to take on a new technology. It can also take a lot of time to implement and there's some costs associated there. So we monetize on the services end of it because it's generally easier to execute on, right? And we can do it on, you know, more per lead or more per monetization basis, which a lot of customers in our space like.
0: That sounds like a really good solution for a lot of marketers who may be a time press. They they want good results. You talk about the database. Can you give us a little bit of background about what you're doing to understand this propensity to buy. I mean, how do you know whether someone's ready to buy? So, I mean, you've probably heard of the phrase intent. You know, it's quite the
1: buzzword over the past two or three years. You know, so we're not dissimilar. I believe that uh, a little differently that you know, most vendors have a single source of intent that they'll, that they'll leverage across their, their data set, right? Whether it's a bid stream or website engagement across a network of sites or something of that nature. I believe that intent are true signals should be aggregated. So I have two or three proprietary sources, right? Some of them are, I call it a voice verified intent where we, we listen to calls and we understand based on, you know, the call center, what B2B decision makers are buying based on those calls. Um, we have an email engine that kind of disperses case studies out into the space, right? We track engagement with those case studies because again, they're a bit more down funnel than just regular website engagement. And then I partner with two of the five largest review sites, Um, to ingest their data into my algorithms as well so um, by aggregating multiple sources of intent i can drive a solid volume of folks who i know are interested but i also eliminate the false positives the biggest issues with intent providers is that they're too singular focused so you'll find a lot of people who you you think they have intent but they just don't because it's not cross verified so my tech is built to ingest as many signals as i can and i'm always i'm always building new ones partnering with new companies and trying to ingest as many as many different types of signals as I can um, to, to identify with the highest propensity what companies are actually in market across software and technology categories.
0: That's interesting. I mean, are there particular categories that this works you know well for? I mean, quite often the, the review sites, for example, you mentioned, they're pretty focused around SaaS products. Is that something that, that the system works really well for? Or is it applicable across a broader range?
1: They're pretty focused on SaaS products and tech products because that's where most of the spend is right now. And SaaS and technology tend to be fairly progressive in how they market, right? I do believe the next wave from a, from a B2B marketing standpoint, especially in the technology, is all of the other industries and, and categories that haven't quite been as developed as tech and, and SaaS, right? So, I mean, I have a friend who works at a, a $3 billion packaging company their marketing and sales team still uses Excel, right? So, you know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on events in packaging and manufacturing and and some of these, I guess you would say less innovative, right? Marketing teams and sales teams that I think is like the next step forward. So again, that's why I'm focused on uh, many different types of signals because in the B2B tech space, you know, they might see a lot of value in website engagement and review sites, but in The procurement space i might want to partner with an event company right to be able to track what companies have been or attended events in the past six to twelve months right so what i'm doing is leaving myself open options to be able to ingest and aggregate signals that might work for different industries or
0: different products
1: or different solutions better
0: i'm presuming that's always going to be a work in progress there's always new sources of intent
1: Uh, consistently being refined right And, and i believe at the end of the day if you can solve for timing, right? Most most of the conversations happening in B two B sales and marketing are about tactic. Should I email? Should I call? Should I LinkedIn message? Should I do this? What software? You know, like those things are generally irrelevant if you have good timing, right? If, if if you happen to know that a company is really truly interested or has a challenge that your product can solve, and you reach out to them, you could reach out to them on the street or in an airplane. And they happen to have that pain at the moment you reach out to them. If your timing is good, your conversion rates are almost always good. So, I've been really pushing my team to solve for that, solve for having good timing, and then the ways that we can monetize it are infinite. You know, uh, the joke I have with my team is if I went to a a VP of sales for an HR software company and I handed him a a post-it note with. Five companies that are looking to buy HR software in the next three months, and he cold calls those five, and two of them schedule a meeting. Right, that VP of sales would pay me ten thousand dollars for that post-it note, right? Because <laughs> it got he got him the two meetings that he need, you know, that he needed with the least amount of effort possible, and so that's what we're trying to solve for here at MRP. I
0: I love that simplifying it down to a post-it note is is a real goal. I, I mean, presumably you're not giving people post-it notes at the moment, so. Can you just explain you know, how people can engage with the product? So maybe someone from the marketing side, how they might engage to get perhaps that some of that top of funnel intent, and then obviously, you know, how you'd work with sales to get some of the more bottom of the funnel.
1: Yeah. So on the top of the funnel, we have a pretty dynamic content syndication engine, right? So B2B uh, marketers are giving us their content. We disperse it via email across our engine, and we're generating leads on a CPL basis that go into that top of funnel. And the, in the mid slash bottom, I have a, a, a pretty innovative direct mail solution, like actual physical mailer um, that connects to a digital landing page where we're able to capture both survey and, you know, request for sales call information uh, that customers are really loving right now because the desktop or the screen is just so crowded, right? And to be honest, the mailbox isn't crowded any, right now. So we're, we're seeing a lot of great conversion rates with customers leveraging that turnkey physical mailer. And then I have a, I have two call centers, one in Philadelphia and one in Belfast. So for my U.S. customers, I, I provide really high quality voice verified band type leads driven by a U.S. call center with very talented, high skilled callers, right? Which is unique in my space because most of the calling teams these days are outsourced. And then in Belfast, I do about six languages across Europe as well. So being able to do that and again, similar style you know, high quality, long tenured, you know, outbound phone callers who are generating leads that have high propensities to convert into meetings and deals and pipeline because of the quality of them. They're not cheap, right? We're not, we're, you know, that particular solution isn't the bargain basement per lead, right? But if you're a, a customer in the space looking to drive quality and not quantity, right, then it's an it's an amazing solution that we see a ton of success with as well.
0: That's that's really interesting. I, I'd like to go back to what you said about the middle of the funnel. You, you mentioned postal mailings. Before COVID, people were starting to see postal mailings working really well. And then obviously, as as everybody moved to work from home, postal became harder. So how are you seeing uh, postal mailings work now? Do you see people coming back to the office or are you having to find home addresses for people? It depends on your persona. So we, we
1: only send to the office addresses because finding The PII data attached to home addresses is fairly difficult, if not impossible. And and in fact, if even if you had the data, it would probably be worthless in two years with all the data privacy regulations coming. So, it really depends on the persona. So we we sell a lot to customers who are looking to target IT, finance, legal, HR type personas. Those are the personas that a have a high propensity to be hybrid and go into the office, and b they have a high propensity to engage with mail, IT finance, legal, and HR are the four personas in a business that likely engage with the mail most regularly. IT, because they're always getting something, a package, a a delivery, a service, a server, or something. HR and legal, you know, somebody's always sending a document or a paperwork or something. Um, And finance, because usually someone in finance is is checking the the mail for checks, you know, obviously, so the bills can get paid. Interestingly enough, we see great engagement at the C-level. Just what happens is someone who may not be the c level is the person checking the mail they see a very formal mailer you know with an in an envelope addressed to the c level person that looks somewhat important and it's actually hand delivered to the c level person which it generates obviously a high level of engagement and open because it's it's delivered to the person like hey you should read this right so um, you would think oppositely but one of the the most successful you know audience bases that we reach are those those very high level or c level folks because the mail is usually dispersed directly to them by hand.
0: That That's fascinating. And then presumably on the other hand, you know, maybe someone like a software engineer might be harder to reach. They don't tend to engage with mail. They're quite often remote. Would that, would that be a fair comment?
1: Yeah. You know, software engineering, you know, marketing from time to time has a high propensity to work full-time remote. Those are probably the twoest, the most difficult personas. Mm-hmm. What we're also seeing as well too is, again, we're not a gifting platform, so we're not sending heavy, you know, heavy boxes or or bulky bottles of wine or or some of those things. So a lot of companies post COVID have set themselves up to forward mail, simple postal mail to the home addresses of those folks uh, should they be sent in. So, I mean, our delivery rate across all personas is over 90%, but in some of the higher, you know, those, those, those personas that we really resonate with, it's
0: 97 and 98%. Wow. That's amazing. That's, That's up there with email, although we know most of those emails probably get delivered into junk and never get read. (laughs) Well, there's
1: so much automation right now on the email side of the fence. You know, I mean, I think yesterday I got like 172 prospecting or inbound emails from vendors trying to sell me something. So it's uh, it's
0: pretty gnarly. Hard to stand out in amongst 172. Yes, but it's easy to
1: stand out amongst the two direct yeah. mailers that they might get. So again, it's been a, I, I'll say a pleasant surprise when I took the role, I knew we had the capability, but I didn't have an opportunity to kind of jump in and kind of see it. And, and it's, it's been really favorable as we've combined our syndication solution, the top of funnel lead solution with the direct mailer. So we generate a lead for the customer through syndication, which is valuable to them because they have a high conversion rate over time, but a lot of buyers of syndication are getting pressured by their leadership team to you know, convert faster, right? So by combining the direct mail nurture follow-up to the syndication, we're delivering leads at a very solid CPL through syndication with our customers like, but we're also converting them at a higher clip because we're attaching that direct mail or follow-up to it, which is unique in the industry that I work in. And again, customers are really digging it.
0: That's awesome. I, I, I love that. That sounds great. I'm intrigued, talking a little bit more about COVID. I mean, one of the things a lot of people have said is it's harder for sales teams to engage customers um, post-COVID. Basically, customers enjoyed not talking to salespeople during COVID and are actually doing a lot themselves, self-directed research. Is that what you're seeing? And that's why people need those, those leads more? Or are you seeing other trends?
1: I've been in the sales and and i've sold to marketing for the better part of 17 years and the amount of times over that 17 years someone's referred to the buyer journey changing you know i think there's enough times to where i can i've lost count right the amount of information available to buyers more now than ever is more than it's ever been right but the part that sales brings into the mechanism as far as the buying process standpoint is sellers are there to make a buyer feel good about their decision. And if you're a great seller, you have the expertise and the the amount of knowledge to make a recommendation to that customer that makes them feel secure in the decision to sign that paperwork with. And that might happen a little bit later in the process these days because people are collecting information, right? So that really what's happened and the only part of the buyer journey that's changed is that the role of giving customers information has pivoted a bit more from the seller to the marketing side of the house, right? But once the the buyer has collected the information required to move forward, that motion is still very much handled by the sellers. And again, the good ones are the ones who aren't continuing to give information. The good sellers are the ones who are making the recommendation that makes that prospect feel, feel comfortable and good about their decision. And that's what that's the real difference in this, you know, this this consistent narrative of the buyer journey changes. It's really just a simple, small pivot in whether the sellers are disseminating Im- information or marketing, right? And and that's the the difference between 2004 and 2024.
0: Interesting. I I think that's a really neat way of looking at, at you know some of the changes we've seen. Is it's just a a slight pivot between sales and marketing. I love that. Looking at the product, I mean, you know, I, I'm interested, lead generation, it can span a huge range of costs. And obviously, yeah. the quality of the lead spans an even vaster range of, of qualities. You, you've obviously indicated you're at the top end. So is working with MLP, is that is that an expensive thing you need to be a big company for? Or can you address the needs of some of the smaller startup companies?
1: I mean, I have large customers, you know, that are, that are Fortune 100 technology companies that are seven figure commitments annually. Um, I have I have small companies that are are simply looking to just begin their outbound journey or begin their inbound journey. Right. So a commitment can be as 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 low as fifteen thousand dollars a quarter, right, or as high as you know fifteen million annually. The only real qualification point for working with an MRP is that you sell B two B products, right. I don't do B two C, and and the one most difficult part for me is when I'm. I'm generating my own leads and navigating paid search and all that. Like keywords like lead generation mean 17,000 things, ranging from I'm looking for mortgage leads to roofing leads to plumber leads to LinkedIn. Like, again, like the the term lead generation is so vast that it becomes sometimes difficult to navigate, you know, the type of lead generation that we do because there's so many different types of quote unquote lead providers out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think that's a real challenge, that range of what lead generation means. I, I mean, how do you market MRP? Is it primarily through search where people are actually looking for a product or are you doing other things to promote the uh, the company?
1: So we, we most certainly practice what we preach. All of the products that I've described here, we use, right? So I send monthly direct mailers to targeted groups of people. I have outbound callers from my Philadelphia call center, my Belfast call center that are hooking you know, interested band type leads that my BDRs follow up on. I do syndication that I nurture and score up to the point where my BDR team is looking, you know, so all of the things that I sell, I do, which is wonderful, right? There's nothing better than, nothing better than selling someone. And they're like, well, how do I know it works? And I say, well, I'm, I'm talking to you, aren't I? <laughs>
0: right.
1: You know, like, so it's, it's a, it's a it tends to be a pretty strong use case on you know, convincing someone that direct mail works if they were someone who became a lead because they engaged with your direct mail. Right. So we do that. My, my target audience again, I, I, I know the companies that have a high propensity to buy what we do. So my TAM is not small, but very focused. I'm only a like 40 ish million dollar company. Right. So my resources are infinite that I can't boil the ocean. So I have a very focused group of companies that I know of a high propensity to buy. Um, I, I use our technology to further refine that list. And then I have, you know, obviously a team of outbound sellers and a small group of BDRs that, you know, really focus on, I have a, a very full cycle selling org, right? I have a small group of BDRs, but they're mostly for lead qualification and passing. I don't do the SDR and the and the seller and the, the renewal rep. I don't have the multiple facets. It's, you know, single sellers who handle the whole life, life cycle of the account and the prospect.
0: Yeah. Again, keeping it simple, right? You know the go-to market's
1: changing massively right now. To be fair, you know we've killed it ourselves, right? You know, like all of the technology, all of the automation, all of the products that you know, all of the spray and pray that that marketers and sellers have been leaning on for the past three or four years, right? It it worked in 2019 to 2021 because interest rates were so low that money was free and everybody was investing like it was going out of style, right? And again, a lot of sellers in this current market never sold in 2011. Two thousand nine, two thousand eight. I have. So people are always like, When's it gonna go back? And I'm like, it's not. This is it. Like this is what sales is actually like before money was free. So, you know, what what we're seeing now is is really what I call like a, a thinning of the hurt of, you know, sellers and marketers and revenue teams for those who are actually who actually have the skill set, dedication, and, you know, again, general focus to be able to be a career seller or marketer, right? Those are the ones that are emerging to the top right now. And those who don't, who just happen to be in the right place at the right time in 2021 um, are going to be slowly you know, working themselves out of revenue teams.
0: And that's a bit of a warning for people in careers then. They've got to, got to learn what the new reality is, or maybe not the new reality, because obviously it was a reality back in 2011 as well. Chris, this has been, been really interesting. Um, before you go, there's a couple of questions we always like to ask people you're doing a lot in terms of helping marketers find leads and, and really almost expanding what marketing does versus sales i mean what would be your advice to a young person who is thinking of a career in marketing
1: play the long game marketing isn't an instant thing your leadership is always going to continue to push you to try to solve things very fast and quickly um and you know with that comes my second piece of advice learn how to manage up like setting expectations is the most valuable thing to do as a marketer right and what happens is why most tenures of marketers, especially marketing leaders, is so short is because they're just not great at setting expectations. They overpromise, which thus and sets them up to underdeliver. And then, you know, things don't work out. But you have to be able to sit down with your executive team and say, hey, this is gonna take time. And if that doesn't work for you, I'm not your person.
0: That's great advice. I think not only for, for somebody new to marketing as a career, but people already in marketing. Talking about that that advice for people who are ready marketers, is there something you um, give us like the best piece of advice you've ever received about marketing, about how to do marketing?
1: The best piece of advice I've ever received was from one of my earlier mentors. And it's, you know, learn how to say very complicated things in very simple ways. You know, and that's always resonated with me. If you can't, you can't say something in two sentences or less, you're probably overcomplicating it and your audience isn't receiving it. And. That works in both marketing, sales, leadership, life, business—you know, all facets. But it's, uh, I guess, especially relevant in marketing, given that sometimes you you only have ten to fifteen seconds to catch someone.
0: That's awesome. That's great advice, Chris. This has been fascinating. I mean, just to finish off, is there something you'd like to say to you know, either summarize what MRP does, or perhaps anything you feel we might have missed during the conversation?
1: No, I think we've covered it really well. And again, for those looking to you know, increase their pipeline, right? Cost effectively, generate leads for their revenue teams in the B two B marketing space. Um, you can always reach out to uh, myself. I'm on LinkedIn uh, at Christopher Rack. Um, MRP is on LinkedIn as well. We're also on most social channels. Or hit us up at uh, mrpfd.com.
0: Thank you so much for your time. This has been fascinating, um, and thanks for helping everyone. You know, understand a bit more about the world of lead generation. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have yourself a good weekend. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.